The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. That is so true. And good evening, everyone. This is Paul Edwards, and welcome to Tuesday Topics. That is such a mellifluous voice. I knew you'd do that. <laughs> that is Tony yeah. Schwartz. Yeah. That is Tony nice. Schwartz, yes. Yeah. That's uh, that's very impressive. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a Pennsylvania voice. The band was very expensive, but but he wasn't. He did it for free. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so this evening, ladies and gentlemen, there, there are uh, a gazillion of us here. Um, and that's very exciting. And, and, and if anyone wants a specific indication of what a gazillion is, um, forget it. It's a, a larger number than I can easily contemplate, and that's snuff for me. Um, so tonight on Tuesday Topics, we're going to explore a little bit um, what the Employment Committee has been up to. And, and also we're going to talk about uh, some of the characteristics of uh, Employment Month in uh, October, which is supposed to be Disability Employment Month, and um, uh, we will we will see what people think of that and give everybody else an opportunity also to perhaps ask the Employment Committee some questions. Uh, before I get to the Employment Committee, I am happy to say that all of our folks from Tuesday Topics are here. Good evening, Mr. Bryan. Good evening, good evening, from the land of and retirement. That's, that's what it is. <clears throat> and Miss Marianne, you're settling into Pennsylvania? I am. Thank you very much for asking. It's nice to be here tonight, Paul. Ah, you're more than welcome. And Mr. Morin, you're safely returned from from the great city of Jacksonville? Yes, I am. I was just checking my baked potato. <laughs> there you go. Don't burn it. Hi, <laughs> Paul. And Ms. Mr. Larry Gassman, how are you, sir? I am good, Paul. Well, yeah, that's about that's all so far. Were, not whether, not whether you were virtuous. I, well, we didn't talk about virtuous, and that's a different Tuesday topic. No, but we did because you said you were good. <laughs> oh, I don't. They usually they don't happen in the same sentence. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, this evening, we have three members of the Employment Committee with us. Um, we have uh, from the great state of Oregon, the, the I think still the president of the Oregon Council, Miss Carrie Muth. Hey, Carrie. Hey, yes, I still am the president. We have elections uh, in a couple of weeks, so we'll see if I maintain that. <laughs> oh, I suspect you will. Potentially, I you will. <laughs> yep. And from the, the the great city of Phoenix, Arizona, we have Miss Melanie Sanoi. Hello, Miss Melanie. Hello from not the surface of the sun. It's cooling off. <laughs> this is exciting. It is. <laughs> this is exciting, and and uh, a kind of a a a constant on the employment committee for quite a while, Mr. Peter Alcho. Hey, Peter. Hey, thanks for having us on. You are more than welcome. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you guys have been up to um, since you've last been on. And maybe we could start. Um, I, I had the opportunity to listen to um, 
one of Carrie's podcasts uh, about a week and a half ago, and and I quite enjoyed that. What's the idea of those podcasts? Carrie, do you want to start and tell us? Sure. So they're the Let's Get to Work podcasts, and we started by interviewing people with visual impairments in different careers and wanting to, you know, highlight a variety, some that have more education than others, some that, you know, home-based businesses also. And so there's quite a few um, that we've done. We've done them for, has it been two years, Peter? Um, just about, maybe 18. Yeah, just about. And, and so we recently um, started transitioning more into interviewing companies and, um, you know, just trying to find out, you know, how are they helping people gain access and accommodations and different things with companies that help people with disabilities find jobs in some of them. And so th they've been really exciting and a lot of fun to do and get to know people in our community more. Mm -hmm. So where would folks find those podcasts? Peter, Let's you want to work. tell us? Peter? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, if you can go to the employment, you can go to the, uh, to the ACB website, click mm -hmm. on committees, and, mm -hmm. on, and, and uh, there you will find the employment committee. If you click on that page, you will find a link to all of our podcasts. Uh, and we encourage you to do that. I mean, there there are podcasts about from a variety of different professions, a lot of different stories told. Uh, and as, as Carrie said, we are trying to now switch, switch our focus to organizations that are in, indeed interested in hiring and, ha and have a track record of hiring people uh, who are blind. Um, and and keeping them, retaining them, and and perhaps even promoting them. So we are um, in the process of trying to find employers who um, are uh, doing that because we think it's important that people, you know, job seekers are aware that these employers do exist, uh, and they're they're capable and interested in finding qualified uh, blind folks to work for them. Paul, I said, tell I, folks, I think sir, go ahead, Larry. I was yep. going to say, I think we should also mention, as long as we're talking about where you can hear these, that about six months ago, Peter and Michael Babcock came to us at ACB Media and said, could we take them and run them on on ACB Media? You guys tell us when, tell us where. So they're now on, on mainstream, ACB Mainstream One, ACB Media One. Uh, for a full hour, we've taken two actual podcasts and put them together, or or Michael has, and they run uh, throughout the month. So we just uh, started one today after six months. That It was on about, uh, I guess, four Eastern, one Pacific this afternoon, and they run during the month. And thank and you, Larry, for making that happen. Well, yep. And this is and Carrie. Thank, um, yeah. You know, another yep, thing Carrie. I just want to point out is – that these are not your standard, you know, the people that we've interviewed in career pathways are not your standard, like helping blind people professions. You know, we interviewed somebody running a daycare out of her home, somebody who was actually a, a mayor, um, and just a wide variety of people. Um, I think we interviewed Christina Ha and just a lot of people in unusual careers that you wouldn't necessarily think, oh, that was an interest. Is that really a career I could do? So, you know, some of those, it's really uh, cool to go in to go through that and listen to those interviews. That's and excellent. So, go ahead, some of those, uh, some of those people are ACB 
stalwarts. Michael Garrett, we interviewed for his his work as a, a financial analyst. Uh, Pam Shaw, mm-hmm. who already knows, uh, who has a really fascinating career uh, path. Um, and uh, we interviewed a 911 operator uh, uh, who was fascinating, all, all about his experiences in Florida. So it, it really is a nice range of, of careers that we hope people will take advantage of. And of course, Miss Ha is a famous chef. That's right. Who, uh, yeah, well, we also yeah. interviewed a a, a minister, uh, a, a Christian minister, uh, who died since we do, did the interview with him. Um, a really interesting, unique story. I mean, he, you know, he he got this minister gig um, in the, uh, I think the '60s or '70s, and so for him, the story about how he got the got the job is fascinating, and how he's adapted. Um, so when you know, that 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 was a fascinating interview in its own right. So, but podcasts is not all you've been doing, Miss Melanie. What else have you guys been up to? So we have had, um, if you saw our employment track at convention, um, we uh-huh. had our uh, programming during virtual weekend, which we are working on. Um, and we'll segue into uh, the feedback we're looking for from uh, our members, but um, into additional community calls and re, uh, revitalizing the community call and, the, and, and giving back to the populations in ACB that, that need us, frankly. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so, uh, we had some sessions about artificial intelligence. Um, Peter, I've forgotten the gentleman's name. Um, John, John Robinson, John Robinson, um, wonderful program that was during virtual weekend. Uh, we partnered up with ACB next generation with some programming and have some coming down the pike for 2024 with them as well. So, uh, a little more outreach than, uh, just to, just the the one-way podcast which they still fascinate me to this day whenever we talk about a new one but um, we want to get the outreach going uh re-going i guess and then the two-way back and forth where we can be of support and my understanding is that over the past well i guess what six to seven months you guys have been putting uh, information out on uh, on the ACB website with regard to available jobs. Yeah, it's not the website; it's the uh, discussion lists. Yeah, uh, ACB discussion, the leadership list, and uh, uh, and these are uh, things that we we get our hands on and forward to the to the various lists in the hope that they'll be of value to people. Um, and uh, uh, um, I'm delighted that Melody Brunson has started sending stuff to me. So that we can post so that the word can get out before the deadline happens, uh, which was a problem sometimes with some of the stuff she was sending before. So um, it's been really um, terrific. The, w- what we ask is if somebody gets a job through um, those listings to please let us know. Um, I know a couple of people have applied for jobs um, from those listings, but you know, if somebody does get a job, we would be delighted to know about it. Um, it helps us with our, uh, you know, our, our annual report, as it were, you know, to tell to tell the world what, what we're doing and our successes. I think that's right. So you guys have released a survey. Tell us about that. Who wants to start? Melody? I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what I do for a living, and I love it. Um so we want to make sure that we are going in the 
right direction, you know, and, and feedback is, you know, a lot of how you understand what we need to be focusing on, what we don't need to be focusing on, who we need to be focusing on. Uh, so we have drafted up and published uh, on the first a survey where we are wanting to know uh, some pretty extensive background uh, related to those that are filling it out about their employment status, um, their education, just get a more well-rounded idea of who we are talking to and then what they're looking for from us. Uh, what kind of, you know, are looking looking for skills-based training, resume writing? Are they looking for job coaching? What's out there? Uh, what is it that we can do to help um, make them more successful? And also, where are they in the journey? Are they um, looking for their first job? Are they looking, have they been out of the workforce for a while and they're looking for something now many years later or at a different chapter uh, in life? Are they wanting to go down the entrepreneur side? So we're trying to really understand the makeup of who we are, uh, of who is listening to us and what they want to hear from us. And so we, we, sent, we sent announcements um, to the various lists on the first. And um, I, I think, Melanie, we heard we had 15 people fill out the survey the first day. 15 the first day. We've had 21 so far. That doesn't mean don't fill it out. We need more. <laughs> yeah, we need as many, um, as many as possible. But we so. are keeping it open for the full month because we are going to different avenues. So um, Tuesday Topics, Paul, you all are our first stop on the road trip. Uh, then we are visiting with uh, Terry uh, Pacheco and Visibilities next Friday, I think. Friday the 13th. Yes. And then that Sunday, we will be uh, stopping up at Anthony's with Sunday Edition, as well as we're doing our own community call, um, I believe the 24th of October. So keep an eye out on the community list for that. Um, so we're making, we're having an October road trip um, where we'll keep the survey open till the 31st and we'll gather all of the feedback and the questions and really make a, a strategic roadmap of where we need to go in 2024 to support our community. Now, if you had your druthers, how many responses would you like to get? I'd love a hundred. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that would be good. And, and I don't see why that we're shouldn't happen. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're yeah. So is the is the survey relatively accessible? Has anybody complained about it or no complaints that I've heard of yet, Peter. I don't know if you've heard any since you're the the contact, but it is in Google Forms, which most people find generally um accessible mm -hmm. and a it's lot of very forms. accessible. I yeah. Get it. It's very Perfect. accessible. Yeah. Um, and thank you. And a lot of forms are done through ACB, through AC, through Google Forms. So we thought it was a very safe platform to use. And if somebody does have an issue with accessibility and it's said in the note that, you know, please contact me. My email address is given uh, on the form and I will, you know, figure out how we can best work together to get to get the survey completed. But it is really, really accessible. Um, if I can do it, um, then uh, probably a lot of people can. So. And it, it really does work well. And so, so how do people I, access I, the form? That's exactly what I was about to ask, Brian, because it's, we haven't said that yet. So, Melanie, how, uh, it's it's a complicated link. Uh, how do we what's what's the best way to to um, uh, to um, 
to 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 disseminate it on this show. <laughs> well, I've got the link cut down. Let me grab the the cut down version. Um, oh, cool! But okay. we will be. Uh, we have asked Cindy to uh, put it in the community call email. Um, so you can find it there. We will repost it to conversations. Um, and so it'll it'll go out a couple more times, you know, throughout the course of the month. And clearly I cannot multitask. So hold on. <laughs> and then Peter, I, I'm going to put you on the spot now because you're that contact person. You know, I, you know, one of our questions in there is, you know, what kinds of training do you feel like you need, which is, you know, tech training. So, you know, I, I think even if people don't have the tech skills, if they're able to reach out, one of us would likely be able to help them fill it out, you know, go yeah. through the, the survey with them, because, you know, we really want to know what, what do our people need? You know, what does ACB people need in, in realms to employment and what, how can the employment committee serve them better and um, do things that are really useful for the community? And, and I should say, you know, uh, uh, Mel talked about we, we want a bunch of information from f uh, from those who complete the survey. And thank you to those who have completed the survey. But it, it's kind of survey that it, it should take no more than 10 minutes to complete. It's it's not, you know, um, there are a couple of questions where we ask for, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, more input than checking a box. Right. But and we hope that people will fill out that information. But it's a kind of survey that you can go through pretty quickly. Um, uh, and we, and it really will help us help ACB and the employment arena, uh, better, better serve the organization and the, and its membership. So do you have, do you guys have preconceptions? Um, Carrie, do you want to take this one? Do you guys have preconceptions about what you think that the survey is going to demonstrate? You know, um, not, you know, we really want to be open-minded about it to really serve the community. I, I think, you know, one of our big conversations has been, are people really ready for employment or do they need some pre-employment skills? Or are they needing help with some of those basic resume building and those kind of pre-employment stuff? That's just been kind of one of the thoughts that have wandered around. And, you know, it, it's really going to depend on the demographics of who's filling this out because, you know, the students need a different thing from us than next gen members, which may be different than AVL members. And, you know, it doesn't matter the age. People may be looking for um, employment opportunities. And, you know, how that looks is going to be different. So, you know, I think that's why we wanted the demographic information, too, so that we could kind of cater what we offer. Um, because, you know what, maybe, you know, maybe one group really has a specific need and then maybe we could reach out to that group and you know work with them on a more um, individualized basis than a big community call for example so just trying to get as much information to be able to be the best service to those who can use help getting to work and let, let me sort of add to what carrie said i think carrie's right we're trying our best to be as uh open-minded as we can because we don't quite know what to expect and now i'm going to say we're uh prove that we're a bit more close-minded because one of the one of what we one of the things that we are sort of noticing or we think is true is that the folks who are most likely to be in the career thing are people under 40 
uh, you know, uh, I, I'm not saying there are people over 40 in the career thing because they clearly are. And so, for example, one of the things that um, the student group called me and said, hey, would you consider uh, creating some kind of a sort of informal mentoring relationship so that uh, 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 somebody uh, who's having issues with a job search or career search can call and we can try to sort of we're not going to solve all their problems. You know, we, we can't provide all the resources, but we can sort of help them find the resources they need, give them some guidance as they go through it. Um, and just sort of do an informal mentoring kind of thing. And, and that's something that uh, the students and I are talking about. And again, it's going to depend on what the survey shows. But um, uh, we've also, we're also in the process of trying to get the survey out to uh, recent uh, ACB scholarship winners to see um, if they're interested in, in providing their, their input as well. So, you know, and what Carrie said is also true. You know, there are folks over 50 who are uh, like me, for example, who's who are trying to, you know, who's moved in my situation and moved to a new town and need to find a job. So, you know, uh, it, 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 it runs it runs the gamut. But we are sort of making a sort of um, uh, an assumption, uh, a weak one, that that uh, uh, the audience that might be of most interest to us are the are the next gen folks, the blind pride folks and the students and the scholarship winners perhaps um so that's what we think but we could be wrong wouldn't be the first time and this is carrie again you know i think the other thing is you know i think anybody in acb serving on a committee or people in general they want to make sure that what they're doing is useful and so this is just a great opportunity is the employment committee under acb useful you know are we serving the community, you know, are we needed or not? And so I think this just gives us a good opportunity to explore some of that and see, you know, if we are, if we are needed in the community, how that is. I, I, I guess I'm concerned about that question a little um, be, because I don't know how a survey would measure whether you're useful or not. But it will, um, it will, it will show us what, how we might be more useful, what, you know, what, what, what the, those who felt the survey indicate, um, uh, you know, uh, we didn't ask the question, you know, uh, how the podcast been of use to you, for example, it's really a sense of, it's an easy, it's an easy analysis. What is it that, how can we best support you? Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that helps Paul, but you know, it, it, you know, a lot of, a lot of people don't know we exist. And, uh, you know, um, it's it's surprising when people I, I talk to informally and say, oh, you, there's an employment committee, you know, so we're, we're trying to get our name more out there. But Kerry's point is exactly right. You know, one of the things we're trying to assess to the survey is, is there a is there <clears throat> enough interest uh, within the organization for an employment committee to exist? And before be, before I uh, we go any further, I, I want to talk about um my background is in organization behavior. And one of the things that I learned uh, and, and from the consulting work I've done and uh, the coursework I took to, you know, to, to get, you know, to get a master's degree in the area. One of the things that you hear in truisms you hear is what an organization is uh, sort of trying to figure out where they, where they, where they are at the moment. What the, the first thing they should do is focus on their, their, their basic clients right? Their basic needs, because an organization can't serve everybody all the time. 
you know, uh, mostly most of what they can do are, are three or four goals. And once you get beyond three or four goals, it gets, you know, it gets much harder for organizations to be effective. And so with that in mind, what do we know about the ACB um, uh, membership? Well, most of the people in the organization are over 50. Um, many of them are retired. And so the issues that if you, you know, I scan the, the various discussion lists and the issues that come up more often are, are service dog issues, which are really important. Transportation issues, which are really important. Uh, technology issues, which are really important. Uh, and uh, sort of the older blind issues, which are, which are which are also really important. That's a lot of stuff for an organization to address. And so one of the things we're trying to figure out is, is how does employment fit to all of this? Um, and so we're hoping that survey results will help, will help us think through that issue. Uh, well, I, I, I guess my comment would be um, at, at the same time as, as what you say is not inaccurate, it is also accurate that ACB claims it's interested in recruiting new members who are under 40. And it also claims it, it is interested in, in broadening the range of activities that it gets involved in and that it supports. Um, and, and if those two things are true, then, then clearly the, the most important element that's out there um, in terms of creating a readiness for people who are blind or visually impaired to be fully involved in this country <clears throat> is that they can find some kind of job that they can do um, that enables them to be independent and self-sufficient. And um, it, it, it seems to me that at least I can't, and, and maybe some of the other folks who are in Tuesday topics can, <clears throat> but I can't see a point at which, at which the employment committee isn't or oughtn't to be one of the most valuable things that ACB does, period. So, Brian's so raising there. his hand. <laughs> Brian. I am raising my hand. There is no question that employment is one of the issues that uh, plagues those who are blind and visually impaired. <clears throat> the employment issue is a huge and complex one. Um, so I can certainly see the value of taking this one committee of more than a dozen committees in ACB and have them gather information uh, from wherever they can find it, whether they're an ACB member or not, in order to narrow their focus so they don't swamp the lifeboat with trying to do too many things and not being able to do them at all well because of that divided nature of the process. So I like the idea of, of doing a survey, that that survey is intended to help give the committee direction. Yeah. Uh, I don't think, however, that the survey is a tool to decide by anybody uh, the importance of the issue. Or, or the relevance was, of the committee. Yeah. Or the relevance of the committee. So yeah. go for it, Peter. No, what I was going to say, Brian, I think everybody in the in the in, in this call and the and listening to this would agree that employment is a really important issue. 
the issue for for us on the committee is given that that no organization can serve all people all the time um how does employment tie into acb's core issues that's the issue that and i agree that a survey in itself won't answer the question but i i think it it might give us a little bit of sense as 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 brian said how how potentially we can link to the the larger organization well i and i guess i wonder whether we should be asking how it does or whether we should be asking how should and um if we if we should be asking how should then then what we ought to be doing is taking the results of the survey to try to 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 try to give us um, some evidence that we can apply to the leadership of this organization that indicates that we've had some responses to our survey and there are some specific directions that the survey points at. And what are what are you guys in leadership going to do to assure that we can take some meaningful steps to meet some of the concerns that, that those directions suggest? And um, it's it it seems to me that that's a more important way to be thinking about a role than 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 trying to question whether employment is a priority for ACB because clearly it has to be, and 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 if it's not, ACB is missing the boat because I would like seven, to suggest that. Yep, go ahead, Brian. We have a person who's <laughs> part of the ACB Tuesday Topics team, Mr. Rick Morin, who has just finished analyzing the biggest survey that we do, the post-convention survey, um, and what he thinks these kinds of surveys can do to improve things down the line. Yeah. Are you there, Rick? What do you think, Rick? Yeah, I'm here, guys. I'm sorry. I was just, uh, I had stepped away. Can you just, and, and I, I heard you're asking a question about surveys and the value of surveys. Right. You just finished doing the uh, evaluation, the, the whole process of evaluating the results of the post-convention survey. Right. And we've been talking about this survey that the Employment Committee is engaged in and what the purpose of such a survey could and should be. I'm also interested before you go off because I know you've got other responsibilities this evening um, as to when does data become something, how much data do you have to have before it becomes important? If only three people respond to a survey, uh, how valid is the result of that survey? If a hundred people do it, how much more valuable is that? How many did we get responding to the ACB post-convention survey? Yeah, we had 430. But one of the things that I do, um, you know, as I look at the characteristics of the people that are responding, we put demographics in the survey. And, you know, we monitor it year to year to see, it, you know, how our distribution of, you know, what the distribution is of people of age, uh, based on age and that type of thing. Um. And we look at, you know, what the incidence is of, of replies in a given category. And one of the problems we always have with survey is making sure that we're reaching people with the survey. Um, 
And, you know, the fact that we don't get a response doesn't necessarily indicate that there's lack of interest. A lot of that could just indicate that we haven't done a very good job uh, getting the survey uh, to the to the people. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of cynicism uh, that certainly services with things like the post-convention survey about whether or not, you know, it, it's really worth anybody's time to do it. Um, are we, re are we really <laughs> listening and that type of thing? So I, I think it's very important. We have a survey part of what I've been talking to people on the convention committee about is there's a lot of stuff in that post-convention survey that, um, you know, people, uh, may get defensive about, but, you know, once you know what some of the issues are, you can start building a narrative around some of these things. So I, I heard the discussion, you know, you guys were debate. you guys, I, I don't know what the premise was, but it was something like what's, uh, you're trying to determine if the uh, employment committee is bringing value. And I, I, I mean, without question, um, in order for us to get younger members and, uh, and I'm always disappointed when I look at the percentage of people that attend convention who are uh, younger than, than age 50. It's a relatively low percentage, but clearly we need to, you know, it, it, we, you know, we need to build that base up, um, and uh, and not just say, well, you know, well, because we're not getting responses to some of these questions, then that that they're not important. And I'm not suggesting that anybody suggested that, but, um, so anyway, so I th th that was kind of a ramble. I mean, a survey, to me, a survey what the people that don't respond when people don't respond to the survey that tells a story as much as when people do respond to the survey okay yeah i mean if you put a if you put a survey out there and, and you don't get any response or you get flat response or it's very counterintuitive from what you expected um you know you ought to just be questioning not the validity of of, of the survey so much but you know try to identify why uh, the you know you're not getting the results that that you were expecting you know 80 uh, audio description project good example the audio description project did a survey only got 50 responses and we believe aud the audio description project is one of the cornerstones of acb and and that it brings incredible value to people but you know we're, we're sitting here scratching our heads saying why do we only get 50 response respondents right well, and, and actually, the truth is you got a, a much larger response to your convention survey than you had any right to expect. Yeah, well, yeah, we had 430 um, and, uh, you know, which is pretty good. because That's about a 40 percent response rate. If you look at the number of people that had, um, you know, had actually uh, registered and we had only distributed the survey to people who had registered. Right. Uh so we had less uh, survey respondents this year than we had last year. Um, you know, we, you know, part of, um, we basically architected the survey a little bit differently in the last couple of years from what we had previous years and believe that people uh, were having a, an easier time answering the questions based on how we, how we pose them. Um, so so anyways, I, you know, survey yep. is, is, is not all science. I mean, it's an art form and it's also a science, um, you know, and, and, uh, 
uh, there's a danger. And when you get too few that, that, you know, you, you, you project that to represent the entire population when, when in fact that, it, it, you know, it, it and, most and likely that's not doesn't. a good thing to do. No, yeah. it, it's not a good yeah. thing to do, but yeah. it is data. And, and it's information that, like I said, you can build a narrative around, um, you know, <laughs> with the convention folks, if there's something negative comes up, there's a tendency to want to defend, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, you know, wait a minute, you know, if people are thinking that let's just, you know, have a narrative that says that the reality or that we're addressing these realities without acting like we're reacting to criticism. Okay. Um, so, so, so whatever. Yep, very good. So thank you. Before Rick. we, before we lose sight of this, Miss Melanie, do you have your, do you have your cut down link? Uh, I do, but it is still alphabet soup. So yeah. I'm happy to read it. <laughs> go, go, go ahead and read it just in case. And, and we'll get you to read it once more later on too, just, just uh, so that people can write down the first half now and then the second half later. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it is HTTPS colon slash slash forms, F-O-R-M-S dot g l e slash here we go six u a j v y s w u j three two p q p x six got it now that that link is is available on the messages that you send out that you've already sent out and that people can can go directly from that link into the survey yes 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 yep absolutely so i'm 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 going to suggest that um because this is this is a, a, an iteration of the program that sometime within the next day or two you guys should put this survey out again we will do that yep absolutely it we needs will to go out that. weekly, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's not <laughs> happening a lot. That's so, exactly uh, right. Yeah, uh, I, I will. I will Very take good. care of that. So we have we have a few people with hands raised, um, and I don't know what precisely they want to talk about, but I think now probably is the point, Miss Marianne. We um, have Chris for us. Yep, to think about doing some things to see what what they might want to say to the committee. Crystal, go. Thank you. Good evening, folks. Um, so a very wise and intelligent man whose judgment I trust, but I'm a Paul Edwards, <laughs> told me a story of what he did when he was associated with a, a college, I guess, and um, that he was teaching a course for uh, visually impaired college students on using technology. And it strikes me that, you know, in this era of fast moving change and artificial intelligence and, you know, machine learning and all that other stuff, that uh, our folks, visually impaired people, uh, if possible, need to have some access to the fields of education and science, technology, engineering and math. Yep. Now, the question is, could ACB 
in promoting employment, given this important knowledge base, play any role at all in promoting uh, access to this kind of education for blind and visually impaired people? And if so, how? And I'm, I'm looking at it from ultimately employment, because if, you know, we have to be able to compete and, uh, in, in, in these fields at some level. It may be a small percentage of us, but if we're not somewhere in those fields, uh, we're sunk. A lot of the jobs we're doing now is gonna, are gonna, will be taken over by AI, I think. Um, and I'll shut up. Thanks very much. Chris, thank, thank you. you. For, uh, thank you for that. Go ahead. I just yep. wanted to say that one of one of the things that that bothers me about the whole employment uh, disability business is that we always seem to be we always seem to be behind the curve. Um, one of the reasons that Mel and uh, and I did that artificial intelligence thing uh, during the virtual portion of last summer's convention was because I was totally unaware of how artificial intelligence is changing the whole job search process. And we need to, if, you know, if we're not careful, the whole industry that's helping blind folks find jobs is going to be, is going to be 10 years behind, you know, literally. I mean, we're, we're uh, and I, I, if anything we can do to, you know, to say, Hey, things are changing under our feet. What can we do to get people prepared or influence the, the change? I think is really important. How we do it, I have no idea at the moment, but I think it's a, I think it's a it's a big deal. Yeah. So so between the two of you, um, tell us a little bit about how you think artificial intelligence is impacting job search. Mel, I'm asking Mel to talk about it because she actually experienced it. Yeah, um, it, was, it was pleasurable. <laughs> so after 15 years, I had to go find a job. Had you know the whole landscape, you know, blind or sighted, completely different than 15 years ago. The next thing I know, I'm going through the way that I know how to right, and, and the career uh, coaches that we were given as part of our severance packages, with LinkedIn and you know Monster and Indeed and all, all the all the stuff. The next thing I know. I'm getting interviews, uh, screening interviews via text message, via voice recording, uh, all these different ways that they're going to now scan beyond just what's on my what's on my resume. Um, and that's also including things like salary, those things that you didn't talk about 15 years ago. Um, and so in telling Peter just about how the job hunt was going and all this stuff. I'm sitting here going, I just did a 45 minute screening interview via text message with a bot. What in the world? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so how do you play the game? Because all this is, is a game. Yeah. Getting your resume to the, through the, the, the door is a game. Getting through these bots is a game. Finding the right job is a game. And it doesn't matter if you're cited or not. It's a game. So how do we beat how do we beat the computer very seriously? And then the flip side is, how do you use it to your advantage? What are the right words? What is the right salary answer? You know, how do you do the research? How do you get there? And so that's how this whole conversation started with Peter, where he then linked us up with John. And I'll have Peter tell a little bit more about John because he was just 
fascinating. Yeah, thank you. So John Robinson, uh, I, uh, I heard through Carrie, uh, and he runs a, an organization to help disabled folks find jobs. And um, he has used it, it re most recently, and I haven't uh, done, filled out his paperwork, but I'm going to. He uses artificial intelligence to help people find jobs. And it's uh, the application process is now done through voice as much as it's done by tapping keys. It's a whole new process of screening. Uh, and 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 marketing your skills. This whole thing is so new to me as a sixty-five year old, sixty-six year old guy. Um, it's it's kind of weird to to my, uh, but it, it's the way we're going, and it's it potentially wonderful. And you know, it seems to me this artificial intelligence thing is is just going to totally change the way we do business. I suspect not just in the whole career thing, but in other other arenas as well, medical stuff. Um, and I, I fear that we're going to fall behind. Um, and I'm not quite sure how to, how to address the issue with the resources ACB has, but I know we need to, we, I know we need to take a run at it. Well, so one I, of, sorry, Jeff, go ahead. No, go ahead. Just, uh, I, I just wanted to say two quick things that are probably pretty obvious, but my first thought, one of my first thoughts was, um, I find it, um, sad that we only address these things like the big things at convention. Um, I would really love to see some community calls that address these things um, like AI and how, and, and your friend um, or your the, your colleague, John Robinson, like that to me, I didn't know anything about that. I missed that. So you miss the one call um, in the one um, session during convention, then you missed it. So I'd love to see that. And the other thing I just want to say out loud is um, people are having to work longer. The average person has yeah. to work longer and longer. And so, you know, I'm 62 and I'm in a position now where I also moved to a new town and I have to find a job. And um, so I think um, the employment committee is so pertinent to so many of us. So I just wanted to. And this is Carrie. I would like to say I'm the one that brought John Robinson into things. I, initially heard him a year ago at a, a state of Oregon vocational rehabilitation in service. And he is amazing. He's actually was born a quad amputee. So he doesn't have like thighs, for example, in his arms and where the elbows end. And he developed this um, whole company, Our Ability. It's ourability.com, O-U-R-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y. And, you know, what's happened is he found out that he has companies that pay his company to advertise seeking employees that have disabilities. That's awesome. And, and so that's what he does. And we do have a Let's Get to Work podcast with him also. And um, that event, you know, the <clears throat> from the convention has been streamed. You know, it's out on podcast form right. as well. But um, he, he is quite... His story's quite amazing. He actually, um, one of his top IT guys um, came to his company from Microsoft and totally blind. And so um, so it, it's pretty cool, his stuff. So, you know, I would encourage people to look back um, yep. on the podcast. Oh, oh I think out. what yeah. you're doing is awesome. That wasn't a criticism. I didn't mean for it to sound like it was a criticism. That um, I just think, it, you know, it's so important that you know, we could use more, you know, more of it. 
what one of the one of the interesting things and i and and i guess i'll talk about this just for a second and it i don't know that it'll get us anywhere um but i'm sure melanie will will appreciate some of what i'm saying <clears throat> in 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 1991 there was a survey developed by the state of texas that took a look at the vocational readiness of people who are blind and that until a year or two ago was the only available entity that um tried to measure across the board um the the vocational readiness of folks who are blind or visually impaired based specifically on their on their blindness. Um, I chair a thing called the Blind Services Foundation here in Florida. And for a variety of reasons over the past five years or so, um, we've put together a, a vocational education tool that um, that is specifically designed for use of blind people, measures their their access technology capacity, the, the degree to which they, they are socially appropriate and effective, and, and a range of other things that just aren't generally part of most vocational evaluations. And obviously things like, um, things like um, home management and personal management and orientation mobility and that sort of thing. Um, but what's amazing to me is we've, we've developed this, this document We've we've probably administered it to two or three hundred folks, and I would have thought that folks um, nationally would be jumping up and down to get access to the survey because it's free. We're not trying to make any money um, off the survey. Um, it was developed by a person who has <clears throat> all kinds of uh, reputation in the field, so it's not it's not some fly by night person who's um, who's who's uh, developing the thing, but I, I'm raising it uh, now because I think those are the kinds of things um, that we're not doing enough of now. That is, we're, we we are not honing our our employment questioning um, to the level where uh, where we are actually looking at some of the specific needs of folks who are who are blind or or visually impaired and trying to get a picture that will identify for us the kind of training that they don't have that we think they need in order to be successful um, in, in employment. I, I'm happy to say that, that Canada as a country is now using this tool very happily as is Denmark. Um, but we, you know, we so far haven't had a lot of luck in, in this country. So um, I don't know what that's worth, but it maybe it talks about the value of surveys, at least to a degree. Who else do we have, Ms. Marianne? We have Jane. Jane. Am I being heard? You are. You, you are. are. Okay, thank you. I want to address the issue of surveys a little bit. I also want to talk about preparing people for employment. And I've worked a lot of my adult life in various jobs. I, when I say this, I want to make it more sophisticated in that there is always a time and a place for knowing people and for doing that direct one-on-one -on -one questioning or interviewing. And today we can use a lot of technology to do that. 
when I think about surveys, I just, I want surveys to ask questions like, what piece, mm, let me back up a minute. I don't, I was not at the ACB convention. If, if I had been, I would like to have answered a few survey questions at the end of every session so that if a session was an hour, you would then have an hour and 15 minutes to fill in specific questions. What technology did you use in this session? Was it useful? Was it helpful? Were you able to get the information you needed? What more information do you need? Would you be willing to do an internship or a work project to enhance the skills you wish you had had? And very specific questions about how people function. Um, when I think about when I think about work, I I grew up in a family where education was very important. Attending public schools was very important. And yet, in my work experience, there were times when I needed to step aside from the regular world and be uh, set apart in a group of visually impaired learners so that I could clearly focus on what I needed to, um, especially uh, the example that comes to my mind is learning orientation and mobility. I had two fabulous summer school programs where all we did was orientation and mobility plus a few extras, but I became a competent and confident traveler and have traveled all my life and love it. So we need to make sure that when we're developing survey questions, they are so exact to what has happened and what we would like to see happen going forward as a result of any session at ACB or any job. And uh, I'm very curious. I would love to see and uh, I would love to do some of the surveys that you've mentioned. Is it John? Was it John Roberts? You said Robinson. Robinson. That. So yep. I've said enough. Um, I, I think this is a critically important conversation to keep having. And I really would like there to be many community calls going forward about various Thanks, aspects. Yep. Employment committee want to add anything? Well, I, I one of the uh, many uh, the thing that Jane reminded me of with her comment about education is one of the things that's changing is the whole high school to college to career pipeline. Yes. That yeah. is changing big time. And I'm thinking about this because Carrie uh, is working for a community college the whole community college thing is is uh, has potential for updating the whole education thing, and so this advice that we give blind people or anybody saying, you know, uh, graduate from high school, graduate from college, get a job, I think is less relevant now. Uh, I think the 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 whole community college thing or uh, an apprenticeship something may be more relevant now than it was uh, 10, 10 or fifteen years ago. I'm not saying college is is we, we should ignore it. I think those who want to go to college should, but I think we should we should be more 
careful about steering people into college who really don't want to go to college and try to find those um, those skilled positions that blind folks can do and prepare blind folks to do them uh, without having to go through a four years degree and getting all these loans that people are young folks. I know my stepkids, one of the reasons they didn't want to go to college because they didn't want to be saddled with these, you know, macho college loans. I think another way that the whole thing is changing that we need to, that we need to think about. And there's a great value in competency-based training. I really believe that just, so there. So, yep. so this is so this is Carrie, and I do work at a community college here. And what's been really exciting, I I was actually hired in a pilot project. Eight states in the United States are taking part. It's a five year grant. We just finished year two, and what it is doing is um, in Oregon, it it set somebody called an ICAP career coach at all of the community college, ICAP stands for Inclusive Career Advancement Program. And VR in Oregon applied for it. And in Oregon, we have the Commission for the Blind is, you know, we have two agencies, the General Voc Rehab and then the Oregon Commission for the Blind. And so um, both take part in it. And so essentially, you know, my role on campus is to add additional support to students because when they come up through high school, they don't, necessarily have self-advocacy skills. It's totally different. When they're in high school, they have, you know, people that make sure they get their accommodations and all this stuff. Well, as soon as you hit college, you have to ask for it. A lot of people do not know to ask for it. And so um, I do not arrange accommodations. Somebody else on campus does that. But, you know, I can help students navigate. How do you navigate vocational rehabilitation? As many of us have been through their system, you know, it, it can get complicated sometimes and it can be um, intimidating when you're in a, a room with these professionals. And, you know, and then how does that work in college, you know? And um, so, so it's kind of been a fun project, but one of the big stressors of this project, they talk about stackable credentials. And I think, um, you know, the point of competency-based or, you know, so, so for example, I'll say there, there's a new program at our college, it's agroecology. So there's an associate's degree it's um, that people can get, but there's also a one-year certificate. And then there are two short-term based ones. One's like a, a 12 term credit. So it's like four classes and another one's like five classes. So one of them is like landscape, you know, what's relevant to this area. One of them is like more um, management. And and so what's really cool about these is that all of those classes from those certificate programs build towards that two-year associate's degree. So you get somebody coming in and they're like, you know what, I'm really interested um, in this case, like landscaping, right? And then, and so they're going to learn that and maybe they go out in the, in the world and they work a little bit. They're like, oh, you know what, I want a little more. And then they can just add to it because they're stackable. And, you know, I think that's the way a lot of um, educational things are going. And the really nice thing about it too, because, you know, I work with people with all different disabilities, not just visual impairments, um, is that it's it's more like a lot of the one-year programs, there might be three academia classes, like there's a writing class, a math class, and a business class. All of the rest of the classes are in that core curriculum. And so it, 
if you have somebody um, that, you know, maybe they really, really struggle with math and then, you know, to get an associate's degree, you need several math classes and that's really um, difficult. So, you know, the, the idea is they get these credentials, it gives them enough um, credentialing to go entry level somewhere. They're not necessarily going to end up with a lot of college debt because, well, one, Voc Rehab can help um, pay for that, but they apply for the Pell Grants and all that stuff. Um, but it, but it's been really, really exciting, and it'll be really exciting to see where this leads. But, um, you know, a lot of the the college focus um, with with this big grant with VR in Oregon has been, you know, these, these lower level. Um, and it's not to say that, you know, people can still look for those bachelor's degrees, those master's degrees, you know, where they want to go, because it is all individually focused but you know it's kind of exciting to see that they can um you know have some other options that don't put them in debt or put them into school some people don't want to be in school for four or five to six years so some yep. great options and just, to, just to tie it over something that carrie said uh carrie talked about uh, you know uh, uh, accommodations being different from college uh, from high school to college and that the responsibility gets gets more put on the student to ask for those accommodations when you get to the workplace it's a whole different conversation right uh you know then you even have more responsibility and you might not you know you might not get everything you want on the workplace you know the the rules are different and so the whole issue of how do you deal with the accommodations piece needs to be addressed as well for you know for for job things anyway um I really, I I think this whole thing needs to be factored into the equation of the employment um, ecosystem, as it were. Yep, Miss Marianne. We have Elizabeth Bowden. Miss Elizabeth from Tallahassee. Hello. Hi there. Okay, I think that we're missing the underlying issue of the problem. Why? Um, so many blind people are unemployed, and that is um, work product and web accessibility. Until we fix that, we're not going to get anywhere. And I'm going to tell you, because I did the same thing that Melanie did, and I've gone through the job hunt. Of course, I'm a little older than she is. but um, And I kept running into web or their work products they use in accessibility and the state of Florida, I think has 36 divisions uh, last time I checked. And I know that probably a third of them, and that's being generous, have accessible um, web pages and products that they use to um, for people that work for them to access and do their work. Unless we fix the problem of accessibility, uh, globally and all in this country nobody's going to get a job because no, you can't yep yep i, I, even, I think I you're making a good point go ahead liz <clears throat> sorry i worked for william sonoma i was the person that lasted the longest that used jaws for their company that they had ever had i wanted a job so badly but the thing mm -hmm. was so inaccessible that i had to quit it was too stressful. I lasted six weeks. I completed maybe 50% of the training modules that they had because they were so inaccessible. 
Yep. Good point. I, yeah. yeah it, and, and by the way, this is not just a, 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 a career issue. The whole technology <laughs> issue ties into other facts of life, right? I'm thinking about healthcare. Yeah. But I mean, they're going to have to do something like put this as a cornerstone, similar to the, I mean, I like recreation and everything else, audio description one. But it ranks right on up there with that, I think, because there's nowhere to go to teach people how to make their products accessible. I know the resources. I've sent several people the AIM, uh, you know, the AIM sort of testing and stuff that's basic. But that's all I know how to do. And, and I, I, would, I would say you are, you are right. The lack of accessibility stuff is very frustrating. Um, but if we're not out there trying and putting ourselves out there and pointing this stuff out, you know, they're, they're not going to know, know the, that the people do not care if it is yeah. or not. Yeah. I've been denied interviews um, mm -hmm. because they found out that I needed accommodations. And so the day of the interview, they said, oh, no, we don't want you to come now. Well, and and and, I, and that goes that goes into conversations of when to um, when to disclose a disability and all this other stuff. That, oh, I've um, done that a week before. Yeah, yeah and, and and I and I think um, I I think your point is right on. I think I think we're I, this is one of my complaints about uh, advocacy organizations. We think that we we tend to we we give off the aura. That we live in the 1990s when the ADA was just passed, and it was kind of exciting back in the I was there when the 90s happened and things were moving in a good direction. Now we live in a space, and this is my opinion, where things are retracting. They're going backwards, and I'm not saying it's the case everywhere in all parts of the country. I'm not saying you know it's a universal thing, but I have the sense that we're going in in, in a backwards direction, and I am frankly a bit irritated and a bit and and fearful because you know all the progress we seem to make we run the risk of losing um and that kind of uh is is uh my element it's disheartening it, with the right it's, word uh, it's frustrating it's very frustrating yeah and, and i don't know very what, we, what we do about that as a as an organization but i but the one thing i and, and paul and i know you and i've talked about this I just think that we are in denial about how things, how, how, how about the, the the situation in which we find ourselves. Uh, well, and they, people just don't get how bad things really are. And, but I know I, think, I sit there day and day and day, fill out stuff, go to the, you know, then you get to the end and you go, oh, can I look at your, you know, um, interface for the thing, you know, whatever you use to do the, um, to do your work my husband works for department of children and families and they can't hire any visually impaired people because a large majority three-fourths of their work stuff is not accessible so so liz knows that that the the florida council of the blind actually um attempted to negotiate with the state of Florida to try to get their websites oh, yeah. more accessible. And, and it, also it, knows that we filed yeah. a complaint with the Department of Justice, which was accepted by the Department of Justice. But 
five years after that complaint was filed, we're still waiting for them to do it. There was no it. enforcement put into the thing on purpose. And, but um, but I, I think the point that I'm making, though, is I, I'm not sure what else we legitimately yeah. can do yeah. um, that that we haven't already attempted. And and maybe you guys from the Employment Committee can tell us what we should do in Florida, because I, I don't know what that is. Um, well, I, I can't speak know. about Florida. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't too too heavily. Uh, you know, I know the governor who's down there uh, is 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 not wildly enthusiastic about diversity, equity, and inclusion <laughs> on any description at all ever. Um, uh, you know, I, I I could go on a rant about that, but it's pointless. Um, but I, but what I do think that we should think about doing it as an organization uh, is it focus. Do do more, work with those employers who who seem to want to get it or who understand it. Promote sure. them, uh, support them. Yeah. How can we and, yeah. and 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 use them to 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 reach out to their their um, their partner, you know, their 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 vendors and their their own ecosystem. I just don't think legislation and, and lawsuits are as relevant now as they were because we're going to lose. You know, we're in a support. We're we, we're we're in a well, Supreme Court right now. I, that that's not think, supportive. That's not supportive of civil rights. It just isn't. That yeah, may change ten think, years from now, but it's not now. Yeah. I don't think we're going to lose. I think <clears throat> I think we have to keep pushing at the national level to get to get yeah, the, because particularly the Title II stuff um, supported the way it ought to be. And, and yeah, because what they did was they just placated the us. Yeah. And thinking that, well, you know, didn't it, even do that. But then I went and um, tested them all. And um, it, it's very. <laughs> no, it's it's it, very, very frustrating. And, you is. know, and, and it, the, the training, I mean, you know, uh, Carrie and I talk about this all the time. You know, the, the training is really important that we need to be tech savvy. But, you know, it only goes so far. But I'm glad you said that, Peter, because we also have to be, we have to know our technology. Yes, right. That has to not be the variable. And and by no means am I saying, Elizabeth, that's your variable, but it is with, with, I don't know if many is the right word, but with some for sure. So they don't know their technology well enough to navigate. They assume it's not accessible, but it's. No, I told him, I said, I've been a web tester. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm not saying it to you, but I have heard yeah. this. From, yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying I, I wasn't. I, I think know. the point I think the point you make is is relevant, Carrie. I think there are a lot of blind people out there who, oh, there who are. claim to have to have had training in technology who really aren't capable of surviving in the world of work. No, with the technology they have. No, they're not. So and I, I've heard I, it specifically in and this is not at next gen, but in that generation. And yes, so and, and, and it came out there was this really great. Um, uh, note-taking ses- uh, series that NextGen did last year, last fall, I think. And that's some of what came out. Oh, well, I didn't know you could do that. Okay, yeah. that's a problem because it's, it's. and I'm not saying you, ha- you, you can know everything, but you have to be able to take that variable out of the equation. And, yeah, and you know, M- Mel, <clears throat> Mel I, I like what you're saying. And I was on a conversation earlier, right before this call at the college, we're talking about trying to, in state like a basic computer literacy class because a lot of people mm-hmm. not not necessarily blind people we're talking general mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we have 
have trouble navigating or the non-traditional yep. student. Yep. And one of the yep. points somebody made is even these students coming up out of high school, turning into college, they're coming to college with a smartphone saying, hey, this is how I'm going to do everything. And That's you're going, not no. the work world. Yeah, that is not the work world. They're, they're, you know, they're not going to be very successful even in college because, oh, you yeah. know, you really need a, a computer to be able to do uh, um, word, word processing and all that stuff. And so, you know, it's not th this knowing the technology isn't just a blind um, thing. I mean, not. we definitely no. need to, but you know, anybody looking for a job. And that's where, you know, the stuff like, um, you know, shameless plug for the ourability.com, but you know, those companies that go up. to John Robinson, um, <laughs> those companies yep. that go to him are looking to hire, you know, they mm -hmm. are some of those, you know, companies no, friendly I... to those of us with disabilities. And, and as much as, yeah, we need to advocate on the national level in the meantime, we need to work. And so yeah, in yeah, order I mean, to there's... do that, we need to look at the focus and so that people can get jobs while this other <coughs> legislative stuff goes on. You're right. Cause Ms. I Liz? have to say, I spent 45 minutes explaining to my niece why a, um, what are those Chromebook is not appropriate for taking mm -hmm. to college. Miss mm -hmm. <laughs> Liz, thank you so yeah. much for your call. So, You're welcome. And I yep. think Peter made a great point too about ACB um, networking its own ecosystem. Um, you know, getting companies that we deal with, whether they're vendors or um, sponsors or donors. Um, you know, getting those people on board to say, "Hey, these people. You know, we have people who are qualified who need to work." So that was a good point. I think, um, and, and by the way, point. just just to give a plug for the, we would love to interview these companies on our podcast. You know, Got um, we would very much like to do that. Um, and Got so, that. you know, so anyway, enough of that. Miss Marianne, who's next? Um, we have Penny. I grew up in public school and I guess I'm a dinosaur because I just turned seven, 70 and I've been reflecting during this call and about my own experience working. And what really grieves me is a lot of people that grew up in my generation, we had a wonderful, had a good public school education, even a college degree. But of the people that I grew up with, I'm the only woman in my group of about, oh, four or five women who actually had a extensive work career. The others ended up not working. And we didn't have all the technology at that time. We didn't have the ADA. We didn't have some of the accommodations. And yet, with all these things, uh, employment still seems to be a problem, which amazes me because of the technology we have now. But one thing that I found for me that was difficult in my jobs that I had, I had technology skills, um, especially in my last um 20 years uh, with computer and I knew how to braille documents and things like that. But the thing that was missing for me was some of the soft skills that I had to learn the hard way. And one of the things I'm not sure how we incorporate this, but I think there needs to be just a discussion among blind people, 
you know, in the blind organizations about the importance of getting those soft skills. And it, it disturbs me, even some of the young people, blind or sighted, are not getting that. And for example, how to read nonverbal communication, you know, that's very challenging. And so much of communication among sighted people is nonverbal. And how to handle things when you're in a hostile work environment. I think that um, some of the people that I know of that tried working and eventually just quit were in hostile work environments and they didn't know how to handle that. And somehow I know the technology is great. We have to be literate, but we've also got to find ways to help people keep a job after they've gotten a job. Penny, I think you make some very good points. Employment committee folks, do you have comments? I, I, I want to comment on something Penny said. It's it's sort of peripheral, but I, I agree with you, Penny. I sent to the to the uh, the conversation list an article by John Stossel, who is a conservative libertarian, who essentially argued that the ADA was counterproductive to to hiring disabled people. And um, what interested me about the uh, about the about the um, the piece itself. Um, was, you know, he cited statistics that uh, allegedly prove this. And I sent that to the conversation list in the hopes of getting, of generating a discussion about, you know, is this true? What do you all think about this? This is a, this is a, uh, this is a, a sort of a, um, a view that's circulating through the conservative, Christian conservative ecosystem. That's a large ecosystem. How do we address it? How do we address it? You know, uh, um, you know. I, I think all of us on the phone agree the ADA was a, was a major victory uh, for, for civil rights legislation and all of that. But in the employment, it hasn't done especially well. Well, what is that about? And how do we counter that kind of an argument uh, that you know was written by a, a well-respected guy? Um, and we can't just say he's just a conservative Christian libertarian and sort of throw him out the throw him out the. You know, we can't do that. You know that's that's a major part of this country, and I I I don't quite know how to address things like that personally. Um, well, and it's not Penny. I know it's not quite what you're talking about, but it's 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 the comment that sort of got you know that got me going. Mm-hmm. You know this idea. You, you know you you talked about how you got your jobs prior ADA, mm-hmm. uh, and that's terrific. So did I, by the way, um, um, and and but. We're in a different world now. How, how do you use the ADA to your advantage? Well, I would um, like to, I'd like uh, to respond to that if I may, because um, the ADA made a huge, I have a master's in social work and a master's in counseling. Um, when I re- was getting my master's in social work, I had horrible placement, uh, horrible practicum and a horrible internship because the professors were not really educated what I needed. And in my practicum, the woman that I, the professor I had that I respected, at that time I was using an Opticon and a typewriter attachment and a typewriter and a braille writer. And I wanted to store these items at the placement site so I would not have to lug them back and forth between my apartment and the placement site. 
she thought I was demanding. She thought, why would I need that since other people didn't have storage space? The idea of accommodations meant nothing to her. Didn't know the word. Almost failed my practicum because of those things. Then in my internship, the the professor naively thought that because uh, people are loving and accepting in the social work world, that I would easily be able to go to the practicum site, the intern, the um, place that I was supposed to do my practicum, which was at a VOA facility, and they wouldn't let me come in without an observer. So I left graduate school really feeling unprepared. And as far as working, you know, because I didn't have good experiences. I went back and got my master's in counseling. And by that time, the ADA has been, had been passed. And we had, by both of my placements, I had every accommodation I needed. I had a computer I could use, had a Braille printer. I could do my notes. I did not have nearly the battles then. So, yes, I think the ADA has made a huge difference. And I would be the first to argue that, yes, we need the ADA because we need those accommodations. I thank you for the response. Yes. Thank you. Yes. We appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Miss Marianne? Um, well, Janet and Keith are back there. Um, they did lower their hands, so I'm not sure if they want to, but they are um, able to talk. Oh, I, I'm trying. I didn't realize I lowered my hand. I'm That's so okay. There you are. You're I'm here. So, but Carrie, you made me laugh when you said about those going into college with their iPhones and thinking that's all they need because I know a few people like that. But um, what I wanted to just say was I think what you're all doing is wonderful to help young ones uh, be have these in, employment challenges against them and you're helping them. Like all of you, I think um, anyone with blindness or low vision should not have barriers up against them. But you mentioned mentors before. And so my question to you is, does your survey have anything on there about people or for people who may be retired and would like to help young ones in their field? Like it could help them avoid mistakes and pitfalls we made or even give them little tips as to how to progress and get an edge on someone else. It doesn't, even if you haven't gone to college, many of us have had secular fields in other things. Um, I worked so, 10 let, years let me, modeling in New York and, and was a travel agent and tour guide. And I would love to help young ones if they wanted to maybe not go to college, but do something else. So I didn't know if your survey included anything for people like us that just wanted to maybe help others. So he, here's here's the answer. Mel, help me out with this. Um, it, it doesn't the answer. The direct answer to your question is no. The indirect question to you is, is. We do ask for the age ranges. And so, you know, if you were to complete, we hope you'll complete the survey and you indicate that you're whatever your age is and in, in the age range. And then one of the questions um, is, um, you know, please provide any comments about, you know, whatever the question is. And that would be a great spot to say, you know, I'd love to be able to serve as a mentor uh, to a young person to help them yeah. deal with whatever the issues are. So there is a space for it. It's just not the questions are directly asked. But uh -huh. there's a, there's a space in the survey for you to do that. Okay. okay. So there is a section asking if that's also something that's of interest. 
are you are you looking for a, an employment mentorship program? Because that's something we had been rolling around. Exactly. We we can't all do it, but clearly we've got amongst the ACB ranks plenty and the non-ACB ranks. Um, so it's definitely a question to ask for interest. And then to Peter's point, there's there is there are those short short form boxes that people put whatever they want. In. That, that's what yeah. I was. That's what I was really thinking yeah. there are so yeah. many in the acb that have had other fields outside of college that maybe other young blind or low vision people would like to know even if if there's someone that could help them in that way I, if you just had a list of people and maybe what we did we could offer ourselves to help others too that that's a that's a great point um you know, we, we, we in the employment committee should create some kind of a database of folks so that we can we can say to the individual, uh, you know, you know yes, why don't you exactly. work with this person? Yeah, exactly. If you're so interested you, in that, you maybe that. you could give this person a call. And exactly. Um, yeah. Um, that, OK, that that's what I was hinting at. Well, thank you. And, you know, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen for the survey. I have no idea. Well, you, you're I, doing I, a I wonderful job. There's so many young ones that need to get younger blood so to speak in the in the acb and if they heard that there were things like this available it could even draw them to the acb i have a, a young 28 25 year old he is i think he just uh, joined the gcb and we're trying to help him so we're looking for young ones too uh, uh, yep. I, what i would suggest is, is connect connect that connect that person with the student group because they're they're trying to reach out to people like him uh, or her, I don't know if it's a him or her, um, who, um, you know, uh, to, to look to, to link up with special interest, special interest affiliates. That's mm -hmm. one of the programs they want to get started. So, you know, mm -hmm. I would encourage you to uh, connect them with the students. Miss Janet, thank you for your call. You're welcome. Miss mm -hmm. Marianne. You are clear. So I, I guess that I will raise a a couple of issues, and then I'll encourage per perhaps Brian to raise them. And I see we we have one hand now, but but I'm going to still raise my question. Um, it when when you come when you complete when you have received as many survey results as you're going to get. <clears throat> um, what what is your what is your next step? And I guess this is mostly a Melanie question. Yeah, so it's just it's it's dissecting the current state, right? What what are what are they what are our our respondents needing, and then prioritizing that volume, and then figuring out how can we meet that need? How can we meet it? Who can we partner with? Right? The the eight of us or how I don't even know nine of us, seven of us, <laughs> we can't do it all. Um, we are again surrounded by an army. So how do we how can we brainstorm and plan to meet whatever that new prioritization is? Because there are things that I have been harping to do, but I don't know that it's the right answer. And this survey is gonna at least help potentially guide whether uh we put energy into uh a job fair or we put energy into skill-based learning or job coaching or mentoring, right? It's just gonna help form that roadmap that we can take into 2024 and say, okay, 
Who do we need to reach out to? Who can help support us? And how do we best get this information out to the to the public? Paul, you, you, we, you and I talked about this, uh, uh, the whole issue of how the uh, job search employment among blind folks, the programs are so fragmented. And I thought about that comment you made, and it's really true. You know, uh, I, I don't know how ACB fits into all this, but it, it's maddening. You know, there, there are all these programs being flo- you know, floating around the um, atmosphere, and, you know, they're all doing their own things, but there's no coordinating group that's that's or some, that can help us you know, leverage all this stuff so that people can use, use the services. It's, it's kind of annoying. Um, I don't know what the answer is, but um, I, I, I think there's a need there and maybe that's something we can, as an organization can help a little bit with. I think one of the, one of the issues is at least to a degree, it seems to me that what everybody is doing, whether we're talking about VR, whether we're talking about um, ourselves, is we are looking strictly at what our needs are at this very moment and trying to find places where we can um, put a round peg into a round hole in terms of in terms of finding a job for someone right now. Um, but, but I think we've actually been more effective in the blindness system when we've made an effort to look ahead at what might be an appropriate job for folks who are blind down the road. You know, that was certainly um, one of the reasons that we managed to place as many people as we did in the Social Security system, in the IRS system, and going back further in vending. And, and, and the truth is, I think we have stopped looking at big picture questions in terms of the employment of people who are blind. There are a lot of jobs, I think, uh, that people who are blind can do in, in the kind of economy that's going to emerge uh, 15, 10, 20 years from now. <clears throat> and I think we've got a pretty clear idea of what some of the components of that, uh, of, of that system are going to be. What we what we need to do, though, is to begin to say to blind people and to agencies serving blind people, you have a responsibility for beginning to um, acquire uh, skill sets that are going to make you placeable in in these emerging jobs. And if you're not able to do it and if the agencies are not able to do it, then we're going to continue to be unsuccessful. That's kind of the way I feel. I'm really glad you said that, Paul, because so when I was looking, um, I've got, you know, a bachelor's, a master's, I've got a whole lot of experience, but I was going everywhere, everywhere just to figure out what's out there. So I went to Voc Rehab. Well, Voc Rehab's goal was to get me a job. (laughs) No, that. And so I, my voice back was, no, I'm not going to do customer service. I started that 15 years ago. Exactly. No, you're going to pay me way more like my skill set is beyond you just getting me a job because that's and and this is an assumption but I think we've all seen it right where we assume it's a quota just get them off the books because they're they're overworked yes I get that also but that was not that's not an option for many of us that have the skill set to not just be just be put somewhere unless that is to get your foot in the door because that's how I started my career I just got in the door or 
just to get money and start, you know, they, they say you get, you, you have a better chance of getting a job when you got one. <laughs> so sometimes it's just getting the jobs to then, you know, placate the bills, right. And do the actual real search. But I was absolutely, oh, I just, I, I don't even know the right word. I was so frustrated that that's all you wanted to do. Like you didn't look at my qualifications. You just said, Hey, I've got this customer service job. No, no, sir. I'm so sorry. Not an yep. option. And I think more of us need to say that um, and not just be, um, oh, what's the word? Um, you know, just, just be a yes man. Just ac accepting whatever they tell us. Right. I think, I think the truth is that most of us at the beginning of our careers, um, have some questions about how well we're going to do. Um, but after, after we've been out there for a while, <clears throat> that, that issue shouldn't be there. And, and, and we should be able to have gotten past that if, if we're doing a good job, but maybe part of the other part of the problem that we face is we're not getting reinforced um, either by our community or, or by employers to say how capable we are. Paul, I, I'd like to, um, I found interesting the, the exchange between you and Mel, because it, there's, there seems to be a tension in what, uh, what I heard between what you said, Paul, and what you said, Mel. So Mel, you talked about, you know, you, going to voc rehab and saying, um, you know, I, I, I could use your help of getting a job. And they said, well, customer service, because that's what they know. And you, to, to your great credit said, no, I don't want to do that. You know, you know, goodbye. Paul, you talked about um, um, working with folk rehab to, um, if I heard you correctly, to um, find out what are those, what are those potential future jobs and what skills are going to be required um, so that we blind folks can be better prepared for that, for those jobs. There is a sort of a tension there because what you're asking Volk Rehab to do is to sort of push people into those jobs that they've been training for to to do, which may not fit every blind person. Um, I hope I'm saying this reasonably clearly. And you know, yeah. so people like Mel, you know, who who's who's unique, you know, uh, you know, in her, in her situation, won't be served as well. There, that's the paradox of this whole conversation, right? Yeah, no, but you're absolutely right because that is what—that's precisely what I'm saying. But I, but the the only difference that I, that I'll make with you is I'm not necessarily saying that it could be VR. It, I, it, a fair point. I I've always I've always thought I've mm -hmm. always thought that it ought to be organizations like ACB and AFB and um oh any other national organization that that has the interests of people who are blind at heart yeah. who who will who will get together and and put together this this proactive notion of where employment for people who are blind is going to be in 10 or 15 years because the truth is that the approach we're taking now uh, is, is at most um, getting 30% of the people who seek jobs, jobs, and that's not okay. Yeah, I, I, I think your point is well taken. Mel? I, this is Carrie. Carrie. Actually, Carrie. I wanted to, to chat just for a moment because, you know, Paul and Mel brought up this thought in my head. You know, Mel, you had all these uh, great qualifications, and so you're like, no, don't punk me into that starter job. You know, the other thing that people 
don't think about is, you know, everybody, you know, many, many people go through different careers in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so just because somebody starts at one place doesn't mean that's where they're going to be 10 years from now, 20 years from now. And I think that's something that gets missed when when people start looking for employment. They're like, man, what am I going to do the rest of my life? And to know that those skills, you know, you grow from one to the next to the next. And um, and it's okay, you know, just because we're blind, we don't have to have the answers. The rest of the world doesn't have the answers. And so, you know, it's okay if you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm really uncomfortable. I don't know what the employment market's like, that stuff. It's okay to start at a starter entry-level job and gain some practical skills, get up, get to work on time, you know, get some good recommendations behind you. Um, And like you mentioned, Mel, once you have a job, it's easier to get a job. And a lot of that is because you're gaining confidence and you come across better in interviews and, um, you know, you have more applicable real world skills at that point for the job market. And so, you know, that's another piece is just looking at, you know, um, that you get to build on this stuff too. You don't have to start at the top. You can start at the bottom and grow and continue to improve yourself. I think that's a good point, Carrie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, I wanted to insert a couple of things here, if I may. I kept myself on mute so that I could enjoy everybody else's conversation. Um, One is the difference between when I was in the workplace and today is I was expected to, if I found a good job, stick with it. That it wasn't just because I was a blind person, that's just the way my generation dealt with things. You had a long-term relationship with an employer. Nowadays, when you open up that resume of uh, some of the best jobs out there, those people have been in that job for two or three years before they're looking for the next step up or out or beyond, or reinventing themselves for what they see the future has in store for what they did. You know, there were a lot of blind people who were employed as programmers in uh, Pascal. And in 2001 or so, when we had the whole uh, uh, big brouhaha that computers were going to crash on a given date because the yeah. uh, calendar didn't accommodate, then all those people who had real strong jobs in banking as programmers found themselves having to do major retrains to stay relevant in the field of programming. So I think one of the things we need to be careful of as we talk about employment for blind and visually impaired people is to educate ourselves about that major change in the world of employment. Career in the old fashioned definition is not the current situation at all. It uh, requires that you have a lifelong learning attitude about what you know. It used to be that you had to have a degree to get a job. And I think that's still quite true for, for most good paying jobs, but It's not going to make it so that you can move from that job to the next job if you can't demonstrate a new skill. This is another thing about people who were sighted 
and working and then lose their vision and are looking for work. And they'd like to start out at the same level they were when they had cited work experience. Uh, I don't blame an employer for looking at your 20 years as a cited manager of a community bank and you lost your vision last year and now you want to come in and pull down the salary and have responsibilities similar to what you used to have. There's, there's some, some reality in that whole process. I, the last one I'm going to mention here is technology. Whether it be the rehab system or what we've convinced ourselves, uh, most blind and visually impaired people of employment age are woefully computer illiterate. They know how to do use a computer for a particular thing, but they don't know how to, one, uh, use a computer for general purposes, or two, know how to use a computer to learn new things by way of that computer. Uh, most people who are getting additional training aren't getting it by going back to rehab for more computer training. It's self-done. Uh, they have chosen as a person who thinks forward in uh, the field they're in to think about the new skills they have to develop not only to tread water in their current situation but to have any chance at advancement or for that matter uh, job mobility maybe they want to move to oregon and uh, if they're going to do that but they only have skills that are applicable in Pawtucket, rhode island then they got a problem. They have a problem. And we need to train that kind of thought into our people as well. But Brian, we hear a lot about people not having the technology training, but where, where are they supposed to get it? We, one, we need to re-bolster the whole idea that technology is not something you learn and you're done. So I do believe that the rehab system should take a look at anybody they've invested time and money into to give right. them computer literacy, that they don't check that off and now they're done with that. It has to be how long has it been since you got your training and when you got this new job. It also has to take into consideration that if you are underemployed, and whenever we talk about this, these employment statistics, we quickly go to 70% unemployment or underemployment. And we say underemployment under our breath. Uh, but it's underemployment that's a serious problem here. Just because you got the job doesn't mean VR should close your case and say there's no room for you to improve your lot in life as a result of additional blindness skills. And computer skills are blindness skills. But in defense of voc rehab, and I, far be it for me to defend voc rehab, part of the problem is they're under, yeah, you know this, Brian, far, but yeah, they're underfunded, they're underfunded, they're totally stressed out. You know, they're, they're, their success rate is based on how many people they can kick out of the system. And so their, their, their reward system, you know, is, is counter to what you're suggesting. I agree with everything you're saying. I just don't know how to change the system so voc rehab can, can do what you're suggesting. 
it's a little more complicated because their success rate isn't any longer based on simply getting people hired because um, what what the what the federal government is saying at the very least is that for 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 rehab to be fully successful a person has to retain their job for two years yep. and I think I Which think that's has its making, own challenges yeah it's making it it's it, it it's an entirely it's an entirely different game and and one that I'm not sure folk rehab is ready to play well yeah well yeah. the other day uh the first day of the ACB board meeting was quite informative when it came to what kinds of things we might be needing to look at as a community. Uh, Paul, you were, I don't know if you were physically present in the room when we got the discussion of the, the big blue circle and the little red circle. Yeah, we're, we're actually going to invite them on a Tuesday topics program, I think. I think it's an excellent idea. And that is, while we are rightfully pleading poverty, insufficient funds to do it through the rehab system, there are uh, pools of funding that other agencies have that given some big data to support it, we as uh, can get some of our needs met through some of that activity. Uh, we were talking about um, artificial intelligence and its negative impact on the future employment possibilities of blind people. I don't doubt that there's a part of that that already is going on in terms of selecting uh, with uh, AI deciding which of the 1,000 applicants for a given job will make it to the top 100, 900 of them are discarded by a machine, not by a person. Um, but I have to say that that same AI could have such a fundamental impact on access to information that's displayed on a screen. Just incredible potential there. But VR cannot fund that. But I'll tell you, uh, a number of Federal agencies have sufficient funds to do just that. Uh, and that's what we need to be advocating for, I think. Not for VR to pay for that. I had a, here in Massachusetts for a long time, we had three, uh, I'm going to call them engineers. These were guys who really knew technology well. I shouldn't say guys, one of them was a woman. And their job was assigned to go out and create a new script for JAWS to work in a particular job. And that was not an inexpensive thing in terms of time and pay. But they did it. Uh, and individually, a number of people got jobs that way. Uh, but the future is not somebody going out and writing a JAWS script to make that job accessible. It's putting AI on the job to examine everything about that particular inaccessible platform and plug in programming that will make it accessible. And that same programming can be designed in such a way that it keeps it accessible. 
which is as big a problem as anything else. Right. So I've been thinking a lot about that 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 whole paradigm, Brian, and I think I think you're right. Um, sort of. Uh, I I absolutely think you're right that that the potential of AI to revolutionize uh, our access to information in, in in an employment setting is is definitely going to happen to the point where a lot of what Liz Bowden said earlier about um, about the fact that the web is inaccessible will not be a problem for us in 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 my opinion in 20 years or so um, because that's not how we'll get information and it's not how the vast majority of people in this country will get information they'll get information by asking for it or by writing a straightforward text question and and the answer that they'll get will come back in one, in whatever format they wanted um, but I, I still think the other half of the issue remains, and that is if we create interfaces that don't allow folks on the job to input information in an appropriate way, the amount of information that we can actually get isn't going to do us any good. Yeah. So I guess, it's, I, it's, I, I guess uh, it's, and my question, getting back down to the, you know the, the the practical matters is i agree you know these are complicated issues right what should acb be doing when it comes to employment but in other areas to address this you know uh you know it seems to me we need to get out of the paradigm uh, forgive me uh, but, but this reminds me of one of the issues that in my experience is sort of dividing the generations within acb is this whole currency identifying thing that's been going on you know, back in the 1990s, this was really, really important. And now, you know, whenever I ask people under 40 about this currency thing, they they just sort of shake their head and say, why is ACB spending so much time in doing this current identification stuff? Many of these folks don't use currency at all, you know. Um, and and so the reason I'm bringing this issue up is I think it's the, it's this the, this paradigm shift that I think any organization that's that's addressing uh you know uh complicated issues like this they're going to have to make make some major shifts in priorities in their thought process but who, who is the who is the best group to answer the question of what the employment committee should be doing for a or what acb should be doing about employment it seems to me that that group is you guys the employment committee so you tell us what acb should be doing well, I, we're we're happy to make recommendations. You know, uh, I, you know, I'm 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 absolutely confident that we, we, you know if the survey is successful, we'll we'll have data and we'll put together a report and you know present it somewhere. I I'm just a, I'm just fearful that um, the way things are currently constituted, uh, we won't get the support that we need. I mean, that's my that's my primary fear. I know we can come up with a plan. I just don't know if we're going to be able to market it to the current. Uh, board be perfectly blunt so I, let I me think, ask ask yeah. ab ahead, about Brian. that very question okay so let's say you put together a report and it's convincing what do you mean by acb support are we talking dollars and cents are we talking staff time what are we talking i, I i'm, I'm curious in your reactions mel and carrie about this one um I don't, the answer is, I don't know. 
Um, um, what I'd like to see staff uh, and, you know, one of the things I'd like staff to do is to work with us um, in recruiting employers to to help us and membership to be more job ready. You know, so I my vision and this this the survey may counterbalance this. My vision is we're currently at the beginning of the process of interviewing employers who are hiring people who are blind. My goal uh, is to say to these employers, hey, you interviewed with us. It was great. Would you consider X, Y and Z mentoring a, a, a job person or, or helping with interviewing skills or who knows what helping us with technology accessibility? I'm not sure what the issues are. But I'd like to get a, a, an informal network of employers together to help us as we go along deal with deal with these issues, um, and not just the employment committee, but with the organization as a whole. It seems to me that's the way we're going to be one of the ways we're going to be successful. But in order for that to happen, we need, I think, we're going to need staff time and some creativity um, to help us find those people. Who are those? How can we how can we locate them? How can we encourage them to work with us? You know, um, to me, that's to me, that's as where I'm sitting now. I think that's the way we're going to be more, more more successful is in creating an informal network of employers to work with us. Um, You know, employers with with a track record of hiring people who are blind and, you know, um, and some success in in keeping them on for two years. Those are the people I think that I think could help us think these issues through, could give us a different voice that I don't think we, we have as an organization right now. And I don't know, Melanie, Melanie, Carrie, do you guys want to add anything to what Peter's saying? I think it falls in the same category. It's just it's it's resources and and support. You know, we're small but mighty, um, but we can't do it alone. And like I know personally, I couldn't go within our organization, the place I have called home since I was, you know, in in middle school, to get help with who's who's friendly to us not who legally has to help us who is friendly to us i had to go outside of our organization and that bothered me to my core um i don't i've always wanted a job fair they're a ton of work we can't do it alone we need resources you know and so that goes to, to peter's um you know the partnerships with with those um uh, businesses and organizations that that are friendlier um, or or super friendly for that matter. Um, and that's a balancing act, right? Because there are a lot of things on our staff's plate. We know that. But it seems like there just hasn't been the openness to have a true conversation about how we can help each other and our organization versus just honestly kind of being shut down. I'm just going to be real. Yeah. Do do I almost hear you saying that 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 what ACB lacks is a is a comprehensive plan that would cover how the organization ought to interact with employment? It's just not there. I don't think it is. No. Now yeah. that's that's in part on us, right? We need to ask for what we need, yeah. and that's what this is going to help us ask for. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I think we need not. I think we we need we need support. We all need support. So I'm going to make a suggestion in this one is we have passed hundreds of resolutions and the organization is supposed to be directed by the membership as expressed in resolutions. Have you had any chance to 
look at what regulations we have, or excuse me, what resolutions we have already uh, passed that could well uh, support your argument that ACB ought to be doing more in this particular area because after all, resolution 1999.7 said yeah. we were, as did it in 19, or excuse me, 2019. Um, I, I think that, that that could definitely uh, make this a more important uh, front burner issue for ACB. If even we if were to use what they've said, go ahead. Right. Even if there's not resolutions that are out there, um, if if you guys come up with a notion of what you think we ought to be uh -huh. doing, you can put those in the form of resolution. We can pass it next summer. Yeah, I'm right there. No with question. You. My no, understanding. However, I really think you argue is... first with what's already on the books. Yes. Sure. Yeah, and I don't think in in at least for sure in recent history we have not done that. So I think that's a great I, a great yeah. stepping stone. Yep. Thanks, Brian. Harry, uh, final final thoughts from you, and then I'm going to invite Melanie to talk for one more second about the survey. Sure. I I would just like to say that you know it, it's a lot of fun being on the employment committee, and you know we are all dedicated to trying to help you know, people get to work. And um, so I would encourage people to fill out the survey and also reach out like the one person mentioned a willingness to potentially be a, a potential mentor, you know, reach out to us and, you know, help, help us help ACB find jobs. Very good. Miss Melanie, talk to us once more about your survey and why people should fill it out. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it. Because we want to make sure that the programming that we are providing is meeting a need. And we have an assumption based on our experiences, based on our unconscious bias, you know, based on the, the stories that we've heard, but that doesn't mean that that's enough of a representation of the population. Now, we know this is not going to be a statistically accurate representation, although that'd be amazing. Um, but as much information as we can get will help us make the decisions that we need to make and help us formulate the plan to get you, all of us for that matter, the, the learnings and the skills and the conversations and the, 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 some of it's just camaraderie. Like we all, we've, we've, most of us have been there. Um, yep. So just getting that data is just going to help us a lot towards making sure that we're doing what you are needing us to do. Um, so if you want some more alphabet soup, but let me remind you, it will be in um, one, of some, one of the community call emails. We will resend these out. We will be, um, I know for sure it's going in CCLVI and NextGen's newsletters. So it's going to be out there, but keep, keep an eye out email wise. Um, and it will be open for the whole month uh, as we're going to do our road show. But our alphabet soup is um, HTTPS colon slash slash forms, F-O-R-M-S dot G-L-E slash six U-A-J-V-Y-S as in Sam, W-U- 
J three two P Q P X six. And on that note, we'll say good night.